Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk. As you suppose, it's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We are finishing uh, Thy Kingdom Come, uh, which was 10 days of prayer between um, um, last uh, Sunday and the Pentecost, well, Ascension and Pentecost. So I'm just going to read uh, a prayer that was used during these times. Almighty God, you ascended, your ascended Son has sent us into the world to preach the good news of your kingdom. Inspire us with your spirit and fill our hearts with the fire of your love that all who hear your word may be drawn to you through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, yesterday was an incredible day. The weather was perfect. The crowd was great. And they did it. Chelsea won. <laughs> the final of the FA Cup, beating Manchester United. 
And actually, at the center were some Belgians there. Eden Hazard, who scored the goal, and I heard that Courtois, Thibaut Courtois, wasn't too bad, stopping a few. But of course, uh, this is for us a time also to light a candle as we continue to pray for you, Kath, and the family, of course, because Alan was such a great supporter of Chelsea, and he would have loved uh, to be with us. So let's just do that. Of course, yesterday was also a great day for something else. I wonder if you know what. The weather was perfect. The crowd was great. And they did it. Harry and Meghan, and our husband and wife, and our prayers and good wishes go with them and the whole of the royal family. So it was a day of celebration. And today is a day of celebration um, like Tom said to us, because today, I wish you a happy birthday. Happy church birthday. This is the story that we read in Acts 2. Today is Pentecost. And this is why so many are wearing red, the color representing the Holy Spirit. On that day, God was wielding together the disciples into one organism, the body of Jesus here on earth. And in a sense, in comparing just as Israel had received the law uh, at Mount Sinai and were formed into a spiritual body, a nation of Israel, uh, the visible manifestation that we read in Acts 2, the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the disciples, signaled to everyone at the time that a new community was being born. That new community now centered not on the temple or on the religious laws, but centered around Jesus Christ. Now, in all churches, normally we read Acts 2, but we also read a passage from John Gospel, the end of chapter 15 and chapter 16. So if you can turn to that passage too, because I want to look at... Um, two areas. First, that the Holy Spirit is essential for our Christian living, and that's more from uh, John's Gospel. And second, that the Holy Spirit is essential for our witnessing. So on page 1023, um, you will see uh, there the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus preparing his disciples as he is about to go um, and telling them about the work of the Holy Spirit and why they need the Holy Spirit to live as Christian. Of course, early in his ministry, Jesus had already introduced the work of the Holy Spirit to a Pharisee called Nicodemus, who came uh, late at night. He wanted um, to hear from Jesus about the kingdom of God. And he had questions. And Jesus told him, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. And of course, at the time he was speaking, uh, John the Baptist was uh, baptizing people in water. And so they understood water is this idea of repentance, turning away, being prepared for uh, God's coming, uh, putting our lives in order. But he said, but also, you will need 
to be born of the Spirit. You will need God to come and fill your life and your heart to be able to live out the Christian life. But it's really particular here in this farewell message that Jesus most fully explore and explain the Spirit that he's going to give to his disciples and to all who would believe after them, and that includes us today. And so in verse 7 of chapter 16, it says, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus was saying, it's good news that I'm going away. Because by going away, that will also free the space for the Holy Spirit to come. And then in verse 26 of chapter 15, again, that word, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify. The Spirit always points to Jesus. That's his ministry. If we're non-believer, that's the Spirit's work in us. That makes us thirsty and hungry. When we meet Christians, we start realizing they have something I don't have. They have a kind of life that I'm missing. And the Holy Spirit draw us to know more about Jesus. He will testify about me. He will bear witness to me. When we declare that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is the Savior, when we come at that conclusion, it's the Spirit in us that makes those declarations that allow us to do that. It's the Spirit of truth, and it comes from the Father. And in a sense, he continues the work of Jesus, because Jesus said, I can only do what I see the Father does, and I can only do what I hear the Father does. And the same way, we learn that the Spirit only do what he receives from Jesus, and he leads us into all truth. He doesn't speak from his own authority in verse 13, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And then we have these uh, few verses about what he does, the, how he ministry into the world. Verse 8, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where, I, where you cannot see me, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. We had a little chat among ministers here. Every Monday we meet and even ourselves, we were scratching our heads. What, what did Jesus really mean here? So as you do, you go and read some commentaries and get some inspiration from the old days. Um, but actually, it's so encouraging because we want to be witness. We want people to know the love of God. And we always feel so inadequate. We always feel we fall so short. And the encouragement here says, don't worry. Tell your story. Tell what Jesus did in your life. A little bit like last week when I said, uh, pray as you can, not as you can't. Well, tell the story as you can, not as you can't. The rest, the Spirit will do. 
he will convince. He will convince, and he did convince, when Peter starts uh, proclaiming in Acts 2, he convinced people in their own hearts that they were wrong. That's the bit of the sin. Sin is being self-centered and not seeing what God is doing. And they didn't see that Jesus was God among them. And they crucified him. And through the preaching of Peter, they were cut to the heart. And we hear in chapter 2, so many came to believe. That was the Holy Spirit's work. Then it speaks about righteousness. Because Jesus goes up and meets the Father. And that bit is... Well, the world condemned Jesus, all the powers, the authority of the time, the religious authority, the political, but by Jesus being raised from the dead and by God ascending Jesus, it was a declaration that, well, all those authorities were wrong. He is righteous and he is now in the presence of God because God declared him righteous. And so that was the judgment on the world and of course the judgment on the one who till then ruled the world, the Satan, the liar, the deceiver, who has been dethroned because Jesus now reigns over heaven, but also has starting to reign on earth. And we will unpack that in Acts 2 through the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we have this little word, in Greek, which doesn't come in, in, in your translation, parakletos, but that's when you have, instead of saying the spirit in this, it says advocate, but some of you have the other translation. Maybe you have comforter, or maybe some of you have helper, or counselor. And that's because it's a word that we can't find anywhere else in Greek, parakletos. And so we try to describe the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And the Holy Spirit sometimes works to comfort us, to be with us, to encourage us, to reassure us that we are his, that we are safe in his hands and to guide us. Other times, the Holy Spirit is a defender or an advocate, and that comes from Jesus' ministry, who now is our advocate in heaven. For example, in 1 John it says, If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And the idea is that Jesus is the one who come alongside and defend and argue our case when we feel guilty. I died for him. I died for her. I died for you. You are safe in my hand. And so Paul says, Who then is the one who condemns? No one, Christ Jesus who died. More than that, he was raised to life. He is at the right hand of God and he is interceding or defending or advocating for us. And while Jesus does that in heaven, the Spirit does it here on earth. So Jesus taught the disciples, when you are brought before the synagogues and rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time why you should say. And so the Holy Spirit is there to enable us to be his witness and to defend us. And then finally, so comforter, defender or advocate and or teacher. I will not leave as often. 
When I go, I will come to you with the Spirit, and he will be your helper. He will teach you everything and remind you all that I have said to you. And so while the Holy Spirit is essential for our Christian living, our Christian growth, our birth as Christian and our growth, it is also essential for our witnessing. And this is the bit of Acts 2. So if you now move to Acts 2, Jesus calls us to be his witnesses. And the Spirit enables us to witness in our context. You see, the Jews were expecting a new era. They were expecting a Messiah, we call the Savior or the Rescuer. Their name was the Messiah. Someone who would initiate something quite new. A new kingdom, a new people. And in that new initiative, man and woman and children would all experience the liberating presence, liberating presence of God. And that's why in that passage he quotes from the Old Testament about that hope. In the last day, verse 17, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young man will see visions. Your old man will dream dreams. Even on my servants, even on my slaves, even on the lowest of the lowest, they will be also filled with the Spirit. That was their hope, their expectation. Before that, they knew God was present among them, and that was in the temple. That was where God was. And only one person, the high priest, could go to the most holy place where they felt God is most holy present there, and that was once a year in the holiest of holiest, the high priests could go there. But through Jesus' death, we hear that that place, there was a veil, and it was torn apart from top to bottom, showing that God was on the move. He was leaving the temple. They knew that fire and wind were symbols of God's presence in those places. You can read that in the Old Testament, in the temple. When God would come, they would have fire and wind or cloud. And when they traveled in the desert, you had the cloud by day of God before them and the fire by night to protect them from behind. So they knew those symbols of fire and wind. But here in Acts 2, fire and wind do not fill the temple. Wind is found in the house where the disciples were assembled. And to make it clear that the Holy Spirit or the presence of God was not going to be linked to a place anymore, the fire that appears to them like tongues of fire come to rest on each of the disciples. They come to rest on people. What the story tells us is that the new temple where God now resides, where God's presence is experienced, where people can find hope and forgiveness and healing and new life, is not a place, but a people. And that's the incredible truth and reality that Jesus started through dying and rising and ascending. That heaven and earth 
in some mysterious ways, happens in us, in you, in me. When we gather together as Christians, or when we're on our own at home, the Holy Spirit now resides in us. We constitute the place where heaven and earth, and earth meets, where people can encounter God's generosity and healing purposes. We are God's witnesses. And what we see at Pentecost is that God loves the world so much that he goes to supernatural length to ensure that everybody hear his word. He chose the time, Pentecost. It was a harvest festival, and so Jews from everywhere from around the world would be there. And then he gifts the disciple with a particular gift for a particular time and a particular context. And he gives them the gift of speaking foreign language instantly. I wish God had given me that at school. Would I have been that much easier, you know? French, instantly. German, just like that. But that was the gift for the time. And it did the trick. We read they were bewildered because each one heard them speaking in their own language. And they were amazed and wonder. And they came with the question, what does this mean? And then Peter got a different gift. Well, he got mostly the tongue too, but then he got the gift of teaching and exhorting. And through that, many people came to faith. And this is for me great news. The news is that God will always gift his church with what you need to accomplish his purposes. And so, Although it is sad for me and the family to know that we will not be with you in the next phase of this journey, for us it means that God is sending us as a gift to now the church in Taunton to accomplish his good purposes there for this church and this town and this context. But he will send someone here to accomplish his purposes for this church, this town and this context but he also has equipped you all with gifts to be witness in this place. God, we always give what is needed to be effective witness in our community, in our work, in our families, in our schools, and in our generation. So we can say with confidence those words that if you've done the novena this week, every day we've been praying. So I will just finish with that prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your people. Come, Holy Spirit, and gift us with anticipation and hope. Come, Holy Spirit, and give us the gift of confidence, and gift us with confidence in your call. Come, Holy Spirit, and gift us with resilience to follow your lead, wherever it will lead us. Come, Holy Spirit, and kindle in us the fire of your love. And just to conclude, if you want to know a little bit more about the fire of love, listen to yesterday preaching by Bishop Michael. It was all about the fire of God's love. Amen. <laughs>